Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Financial Times. We value your feedback. Please go to ft.com slash listen and fill out a short survey for a chance to win a pair of Bose acoustic noise-cancelling headphones. The FT. Hello and welcome to World Weekly. I'm Shona Jenkins. This week, Shinzo Abe became the first Prime Minister of Japan to speak to a joint session of Congress in Washington. His speech came against a background of security tensions between Japan and China, and at a time when the US and Japan are struggling to finish negotiations on a giant new trade deal. Joining me to discuss this are Gideon Ruckman, our chief foreign affairs commentator, who has crossed to the other side of the microphone this week to act as a pundit, and Lindsay Whip, a former FT correspondent in Tokyo. Welcome, both of you. What is at stake for both sides in this meeting? I think for the Americans, American foreign policy is increasingly at least attempting to focus on China and the rise of China. This is the so-called pivot to Asia that Obama talks about every now and then. And the key relationship for America in in an effort to sort of push back at growing Chinese influence in Asia is Japan. Japan's the third largest economy in the world. It's got a traditional security treaty with the Americans. And there is a strong security element to this because, as you'll recall, there's been a a long-standing territorial dispute between Japan and China, which has flared up, actually to the extent of both sides sending planes and ships into the area. Quite a tense situation. Now, in theory, if the Chinese attacked those islands, then America would be bound to come to Japan's help under the US-Japan Security Treaty. So this is a very sensitive issue. And the Americans seem to be following a sort of classic deterrence policy, which is rather than sort of trying to take a step back from that, they're trying to deter China by actually strengthening the military relationship with Japan. So one of the key background elements to this has been that the Japanese have rewritten their constitution or reinterpreted their constitution to allow them to fight alongside the Americans. And the Americans are working on new defense guidelines with the Japanese. So that's really the key element of it, alongside another bit of the pivot, which is trade. The Japanese and the Americans are working together on something called the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is a 12-nation trade pact, but the US and Japan are the two biggest economies in it. They haven't signed it yet, but the hope is that they will, and it would cover 40% of world trade and break down a lot of trade barriers. And as Abe reminded Congress in his speech yesterday, it would have a big, significant strategic element, because China is not part of the TPP. So it would strengthen the US-Japan economic relationship and the strategic relationship. So there is a lot at stake. Lindsay, how is this seen from Japan, um, if we look at it from the other side, the speech and particularly the defence pact? Well, in many ways, it's very similar to the US in that Mr Abe will most definitely want to have the reassurances that the US is with them and have the reworking of the security pact clear and finished not as soon as possible, but within a decent um, amount of time. 
Looking at it from at home, even though Mr Abe managed to push through last year the reinterpretation of the constitution, there's still many things to iron out. And he doesn't have blanket support from Japanese people necessarily. There's a lot of people there who feel, maybe young people also, who feel that they would prefer to have their constitution as it's always been interpreted. And there's also finally a big symbolic reason for Mr Abe to be there, being, as you mentioned earlier, the first PM to address a joint meeting of Congress for Japanese Prime Minister, he would want to show his strength and his confidence in Japan being for the first time since Mr. Koizumi in 2005, the first Prime Minister to stay in power for more than a couple of years. The TPP, Gideon, you've gone through it from more of an, a US point of view and what the advantages are. How is it perceived in Japan? Is it something that's got a lot of support or is there a lot of suspicion there? It's very important for Japan. Mr. Abe, from the beginning with his Abenomics Economics programme for reviving the economy has used this as its third arrow to implement structural reforms, particularly in areas such as labour and also agriculture, which has been dominated by this very strong lobby. And just recently, he managed to push through Parliament a policy that prevents this lobby now from auditing most of the farm cooperatives and also influencing their policy And so we need to see the extent to which then this will allow Mr Abe to meet American demands to reducing tariffs on things like beef and rice. It's a very uh, tricky but important portfolio for Obama as well because he's staked a lot on getting the TPP through. I've heard American followers of Asia say, look, if he can't do this, this Pacific partnership, then really his whole pivot to Asia is meaningless. It's fallen apart. This is the centerpiece of it, particularly at a time when China's successfully building new institution. The Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank has got off the ground. A lot of people have joined it. The TPP is still kind of struggling along. And this is, in a way, the American response. But it's very tricky for America or for the Obama administration to get this through Congress because there's a lot of anxiety about free trade pacts within Congress, particularly on Oddly, on Obama's own side of the aisle, on the, the Democrats don't like free trade pacts. They feel they've contributed to the hollowing out of American industry, to uh, income inequality and so on. So oddly, if Obama gets this through, it will be with Republican votes. Difficult is the Republicans really don't like giving Obama anything. They detest the man. And so he's in a very difficult political situation. And in a sense, it's a sign of how important he thinks this is, that he's willing to go through these domestic political contortions to try to get the TPP through. But actually, although I'm not in Washington at the moment, my sense is that it's at best 50-50 because he's beginning to run out of time. You know, he's, as he put it, in the last quarter of his presidency, Hillary Clinton, interestingly, who's running for president, who was a big backer of the TPP in the past, is now refusing to endorse it because her eyes are on voters in Iowa rather than on being a statesman. And that's a sign of how difficult it's going to be to get this thing through. But it is really important. Do you think Barack Obama has reservations about Mr Abe himself or is he do they have a good relationship? I think the Americans have had reservations about Abe which I think they've decided to put to one side if you like. I mean I think their reservations are that Abe is a nationalist and that he has said difficult things about the Second World War. I mean, things that are actually more offensive to China and South Korea, but complicate America's life as they look to Japan as this key ally. Do they necessarily want to put their chips on a man who appears to have slightly equivocal feelings about whether Japan indeed is guilty of war crimes during the Second World War? And also a man who uh, some at home think has too aggressive an attitude to China because it's a double-edged sword for the Americans. They want to push back against China, but they don't want to make themselves hostage 
to reckless Japanese actions. And I think all those debates have been had in Washington. The Americans, for example, I think felt that the Japanese a couple of years ago were too aggressive on the islands and uh, actually advised them against nationalizing these islands, which is what caused the whole thing to flare up and the Japanese, according to the Americans, ignored them. So this has been a very tricky thing. But I think that in the end, having thought it through, the Americans have come down to the idea that actually Japan is too crucial to their strategy in Asia, that Abe, for all their reservations about him, is an important figure because if he can't revitalize Japan, who's going to do it? So they've sort of swallowed their doubts and said, OK, we're going to back Abe. The war apology as it was closely watched in Mr Abe's address to Congress. How is that seen back in Japan, Lindsay? Well, it's been an issue for so long, but mainly within the context of Japan's neighbours. There are several issues here. Firstly, that there is this shrine, the Yasukuni Shrine, which enshrines the souls of the war dead, but includes some of the war criminals there. And important ministers, including Mr Abe, who has visited it when they visit it, that inflames relations with China and Korea. And it's within Japan's interest to have good relations, obviously, with those two countries. So for the Japanese people, it's important to see how Mr Abe deals with that. I don't think there were many expectations within his speech this time that he was going to address specifically any Chinese or Korean concerns. The language he used in the speech, he used words like repentance and remorse, which is pretty much on a par with what previous prime ministers have used, though obviously China and Korea would want them to go further. For example, South Korea is still pushing for Japan to recognise the comfort women in South Korea, the sex slaves that were forced to have sex with Japanese soldiers during the Second World War. That's still not happening. And there's also concerns, obviously, about the revisionism in the Japanese educational history books. Yeah, and the Korean thing is actually oddly, again, part of what complicates America's life in this region because if the Americans think about a kind of ring of allies and friends that they want as they face up to China... South Korea is the second most important one after Japan. It's the other one place where they've got huge numbers of troops and the Korean Peninsula is right up against China. And yet the Japanese and the South Koreans, because of this history issue, are completely at loggerheads. And the Chinese are actually making a big play for South Korean support and there have been uh, reciprocal visits between the two presidents. So the Americans are saying to the Japanese, look, for God's sake, can you patch this thing up with South Korea? But it's actually way more complicated than that. And it's one of the uh, sort of boiling issues in, in that part of East Asia. Thank you very much, Gideon Rachman and Lindsay Whip. That's all we have time for this week, but we will be back with World Weekly Podcast next week. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.